Friday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. Their website is abotanicalcompany.com or you can give them a call 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on what they have available and how it can benefit your daily life. Uh, You can order online, easy and safe pickup. Again, abotanicalcompany.com or give them a call, ask questions, find out again what they have and how it can help you. 405-458-9699, Artisan Botanicals. All right, it is a green light for Oklahoma Baylor on Saturday night in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, These two teams met twice last year. Two thrilling football games that come from behind win in Waco last year, followed by the overtime Big 12 championship game. Uh, I don't anticipate that that's the type of game we're going to see on Saturday, but uh, Oklahoma having hit its stride, uh, I anticipate looking really good after a week off. And, and when you consider the path that is potentially there to get back into the Big 12 championship and then potentially a college football playoff, if things happen in a certain way, it's mind-blowing that that's even something that we're talking about at this point of the season. But I, I definitely think if if the right scenario were to take place, Oklahoma could find themselves back in that setting. Again, like I said, it's just completely mind-blowing. But the game is happening Uh, We will have kickoff at 7 o'clock on Saturday night in Norman, which means Mike Steely and I have pregame coverage beginning at 5 o'clock on Saturday. So make sure you check that out. I will tweet the the streaming link on my Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels at 5 o'clock so you can join us for that hour as we get you ready for Oklahoma Baylor. Uh, All right. We're going to talk OU Baylor. We're going to talk everything that happened over the course of this week. Bob Stoops potentially being on the field, potentially being the defensive coordinator for Lincoln Riley in this matchup, and how close this thing was to to not actually happening. Uh, Oklahoma's college football playoff chances, as well as a strange year for the Heisman Trophy. So all of that. My guest is John Hoover, publisher of SI Sooners. Visit allsooners.com and check out his SI Sooners podcast and find the John Hoover YouTube channel. Here we go, John Hoover on the Colby Daniels podcast. John Hoover, we have, uh, we've reached Friday. The game has a green light. I know everybody's been on eggshells all week long that we were even going to get Oklahoma Baylor football this weekend. But before we, we cannonball into that, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me on again. It's like I was on with Mike Steely earlier in the week. Now I'm on with you. It's like old friend. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've been meaning to get you on in the last couple of weeks, and, and I just feel like, you know, we've we've kind of hit this holiday season where everything has just gone into turbo mode while 2020 has seemed to drag with a parachute. I feel like we've kind of hit warp speed all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like we got weights tied to our ankles. We're trying to get through the week, and it's just like, uh, okay, what's going on with COVID? Okay, is everybody healthy? Uh, what's Are the coaches Good to go. Uh, oh, hey, we got a Skype or a, a Zoom with the athletic director this week. You know, it's just it's it's uh, it never ends. It's like you're tangled in a web. And frankly, as long as we're playing on Saturdays, as long as we got games to cover, I don't care if we ever get out of this web. It's fun. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I it, you know it's. I mean, I would obviously love to be back in a, a normal situation, being at football games and all that. But this is certainly significantly better than the whatever six month period or however long it was that we were without anything. Yeah. Boy, isn't it a uh, guy was asked, guy was here fixing my furnace today. And he's like, so what do you do? I said, I do some podcasts. I got to do one here in a little bit. And, uh, 
He's like, you cover Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? I said, Oklahoma. And he goes, uh, you get to go to the press box? I said, yes, I do. By God, this 2020, I get to go to the press box. That's the best <laughs> news there is for me is that uh, I actually get to attend the games that I'm covering. So it's a blast, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it, we at least have one on Saturday, as I mentioned. What was your worry level about this thing actually taking place this week? Uh, you know, um, maybe 50-50. I was on, I mentioned Steely earlier. We talked about it. I said probably they'll get it in about 60% sure at this point. Uh, that was, I think, Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, yeah, that's where we were at. It was it was pretty iffy. Uh, Oklahoma had, to, you know, they took some their COVID tests earlier in the week. They passed both of them. Uh, talked to Joe C. yesterday. He said they were two for two. Uh, so it was all come down to the Friday test. The, were they going to have enough players? Were they going to meet the Big 12's threshold of 53 and seven offensive linemen and four defensive linemen and and a quarterback? And they did. And uh, now the, now and we had Lincoln Riley on Tuesday on the Zoom and asked him this question: What about your coaching staff? What's the minimum you need for a coaching staff? And he said, Well, we got some GAs and we got this guy named Stoops and. So, uh, <laughs> But that's that's a fact. I mean, I hope everybody's okay. We're kind of making light of it, but uh, some of the uh, some of the coaches there have tested positive with the SI Sooners. We've had sources tell us that uh, there's going to be some guys out. There's going to be some guys, possibly three offensive guys, possibly four offensive guys, and uh, Alex Grinch on the defensive side that'll miss this game. Wow, that's that's pretty significant. Before I hit that, I, I do have to ask. How significant was the the CDC guideline change in terms of this happening, and do you think it would have happened otherwise? Yeah, that's a question I had queued up for Joe yesterday on the Zoom call. Um, you know, the CDC comes out Wednesday and says it's ten days now instead of fourteen, or if you if you test negative, it's only seven that you need to be in quarantine. So that's a game changer for uh, certainly a game changer for the Big Ten and for Ohio State. Absolutely, but. But for Oklahoma, yeah, you would think that, uh, you know, they missed a game last week at West Virginia, had my plane ticket, had my hotel reservation, everything ready to go. They canceled at the last minute. That was fine. Don't want to don't want to take any unnecessary risks. But then uh, all of a sudden you've got all these positives and you've got all these contact traces that, you know, you're 14 days. Suddenly the next game comes into to question. And that would be, of course, Saturday's Baylor game. Well, they, they got that right. The Big 12 announced their kickoff times. Everything's set. Everything looks like it's going in the right direction. Then the CDC comes out and says, oh, by the way, it's 10 and 7 instead of 14 and 10. So a big, huge weight off of Oklahoma's shoulders. They've got enough to play, and uh, they should be good to go. And that could change the availability of those coaches that I told you about. Yeah. You know, Some of those guys may be coming back on that Saturday kind of thing. If, if all of those guys are out, what is the significance of Bob Stoops' role, I guess, in this game? Is it pretty significant? Is it beyond just, I think, a lot of people feel like it's somewhat of a, just like, hey, look at Bob Stoops out here, like media type charade, but is this a pretty significant thing? It could be significant. Um, you probably saw the photos that OU Football released uh, on their Twitter account of him out there. He's got his warm weather gear, you know, he hadn't been out in the cold <laughs> in a while, right? But he had a headset on, which coaches don't wear headsets at practice. And he had a little piece of paper in his hand, right? He was he was he had a little cheat sheet that he could refer to. Bob's getting his, uh, kind of getting the hang of the terminology. Uh, maybe somebody's relating to him. Okay, when they say this, you can relate it back to the terms that you used, you know, five years ago, three years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. So he's, he's catching up. He's getting up to speed because... You got to admit, I mean, frankly, if if uh, Alex Grinch is not out there, somebody's got to call defensive signals. 
and none of the guys, not one of them on that defensive staff has ever called a defensive uh, game signals before, you know, come up with the game plan. Sure. Probably Alex French could do that. Email it in, right. Text it to the guys, have it on their phones on Saturday. But when it comes to actually calling the signals and matching up and seeing what Baylor receivers are doing and seeing what the protections are and knowing how to attack it, that's a one man job. And if Grinch is not there, I would not be surprised if it's Bob Stoops that's doing that because he's he's one of the best defensive coordinators of the last, you know, before he was the head coach of the last couple of decades. He was so good at Kansas State. He was just a, a you know, brilliant at Florida. So he's done it before. He knows what he's doing. He just got to get his feet wet again. I'm sure there's going to be some moments where he's going to look around and say, what the heck? But uh, <laughs> smart guy is he in the press box if that happens or is he on the field and secondly will he have a flask of tequila with him to keep him warm <laughs> he's yes on the flask of tequila because it's <laughs> silly um but no i think he's got to be on the sideline i think grinch is on the sideline uh and i think bob never was in the coach's box the whole time he was a, he's ever been a coach uh maybe early on in his career as a ga or something like that he was in the box but no he's he's more comfortable communicating on the sidelines getting a read on those guys you know body language and their face and their communication so i would think that he'll be on the sideline well if i could give him any advice at all and and take it for what it's worth <laughs> if he's the dc against baylor whatever you do do not give the receivers 10 yard cushions uh, the last time a stoops did that i feel like that was kind of the final straw for the fan base absolutely could you hear the booze coming down <laughs> if he plays that safe, safe uh, umbrella coverage again man come on yeah absolutely brutal well, look, as far as this uh, this defense goes, I, I think that the defensive line is legit. I think they're the best in the conference. I think you have to start having the conversation about how good they are in comparison to the best D-lines in the country. The people on the other side of the fence would say, look at the offenses they've played over the last five weeks. Look at the offensive line specifically they've played over the last five weeks. And I will grant that argument a little bit of traction for the fact that none of those groups have been very good. So yeah. I, I, I do understand that, but... I think it's more the the success is more than just who they're facing. I think on that defensive line, in my opinion. Yeah, and those those offenses are doing better against other defenses than they did against Oklahoma. As simple as that. Just look at just compare the numbers of what Oklahoma has allowed compared to what other defenses are allowing against those guys. It's it's pretty awesome what they're doing. I mean, they are they're bringing the thunder. Uh, they're bringing the heat on every every snap. Uh, they're playing with a lot of energy and a lot of it, as you know, I mean, it's, it's all not, maybe not all, maybe that's overstating it, but a good percentage of it is because of Ronnie Perkins, the return of Ronnie Perkins from suspension. He's been, he's been cued in, he's been keyed into the program. He's been at practice. He's been doing scout team. He's been getting some reps with the ones. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's in his corner and everybody's upset that he can't play. And I'm talking about his teammates and coaches here. And all of a sudden he shows up and they unleash the beast, and that ramps up everybody. His energy has brought everybody's energy up, and you've seen Nick Benito take another step. Uh, Nick Benito going through a little drama this week, some question whether he's going to play. We had a source tell us he's one of the two guys on the starting defense that's going to be out this week because of COVID. So, uh, you know, that's not ideal. You want to be able to get some pressure on Charlie Brewer uh, this week for, against Baylor. That offensive line, I think, is, has got some experience, but I think they've also given up some sacks. He remains one of the most sacked quarterbacks, not just in the Big 12, but in the country. So you're right. That's a, that's a big matchup for, for Oklahoma to get some momentum going on that defensive line. 
And, you know, we'll see what John Michael Terry, if Bonito is out, we'll see what his availability is. He missed the Bedlam game. So, but boy, they've been good on the inside with Perrion Winfrey and Joshua Ellison and those guys. Uh, and they've been good on the outside. Leron Stokes might be back this week, although Lincoln Riley seemed to think that he probably wouldn't, but he said the week off last week did him some good. If those guys ever get to full strength and they have everybody out there, I mean, I kind of pity the other quarterback, whoever that is. Yeah, without a doubt. Look, I thought, to your point about Ronnie Perkins, I, I, I couldn't agree more, I think, in terms of calling somebody an MVP. When you see the significant impact that his return has had, it's hard to deny him that honor. But I thought, honestly, before he got back, Isaiah Thomas was playing as yep. well as any defensive lineman in the conference. And I, I think as the season had gone on, if Ronnie Perkins doesn't come back, teams probably are able to start scheming around Isaiah Thomas. But the fact that you add seven back to the mix, I mean, that's that's not really a possibility. Yeah, and Isaiah did such a good job holding that, pot, that spot down out there on the edge. Well, now that Perkins is back, he's finding himself inside a lot yeah. more at the time especially with Stokes being gone. Uh, and he's so quick and he's so aggressive. Uh, but you're right. Alex Grinch said, I think at the five or six game mark of the season that Isaiah Thomas was the defensive MVP so far. So then you take Ronnie Perkins and add him to that mix. I mean, the defensive line just, it's, it's pretty scary. I don't know if the back seven is any good or not. I, you know, when people say the defense is better, I, I kind of have to like add this, this second yeah. phrase of, well, the defensive line is really good, but they're so good, in fact. I don't know if the back seven is better, but it may not matter. Yeah, no, that's true. Those guys have really benefited. Um, it's funny, we got, uh, we got, I think, Buki a couple of weeks ago and Trey Brown a couple of weeks ago, and they both talked about how uh, the defensive backs are just playing so much better. Yeah, they, they, they are. You got to admit they are, but I mean... It all starts up front. It all starts up front. And when those guys up front can shut down a running game and generate pressure on the passer, yeah, defensive backs are going to play better. They're, they're absolutely going to play better. So congrats to those guys. The strength of this Baylor team has been the defense, and that was somewhat of a surprise for me because, I mean, that was a group a year ago that lost nine of their 11 starters coming into this season. Um, for, for, you know, Dave Aranda's first season and a lot of new guys, I think they've done a pretty good job on that side of the football I do think this in, this part of the matchup is interesting because Dave Aranda faced this Oklahoma team last year with LSU, but he didn't face this Oklahoma offense. Obviously, it's it's significantly different than the Jalen Hurts group a year ago. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and if you think about the timing, it was a playoff game. It wasn't quite a bowl, so he didn't have four weeks to prep for it, but he did have three weeks. And you know these coaches, when they, when they go into these bowl games and they see teams that are doing things offensively like Lincoln Riley was doing last year, they just stack and stack and stack information. Well, Dave Aranda, you know, you don't, you, don't, uh, you don't go back to that information during the season until it's time to play those guys. But you know he compiled a notebook in the offseason. Okay, here's how you defend Oklahoma. Here's how you defend Jalen Hurts. Here's how you defend uh, C.D. Lamb. Well, you're right. This, this Oklahoma offense has got different personnel now. but a lot of what Lincoln Riley did, especially concepts, you talked to uh, Dave, Dave Aranda this week down at Waco, he says a lot of the concepts are the same. So, yeah, he's got a, he's got a lot of ammunition. Um, LSU's defense wasn't the strength of that LSU team last year. Strangely enough, the offense was, right? I mean, when, when do you ever think we'd say that? And yet, the LSU defense was awful good last year. And, and you're right, Baylor ended up sending 10 guys, nine starters, but 10 guys total, got NFL contracts of some kind 
this past spring, which is just remarkable. He had to rebuild all that, and he's done it. Uh, Terrell Bernard came back. He's hurt. Uh, the guy that I like is the same guy that uh, that Lincoln Riley mentioned earlier in the week, Jalen Petrie. Man, that dude can play. He's got he's big. He's strong. He's fast. He's aggressive. He's smart. And he's a playmaker. He's got a nose for the football. They've they've kind of built the last couple of weeks of their success uh, through what Jalen Petrie does. So that's a matchup for me that's going to be interesting to watch. Is it fair to say the turning point of this season was Spencer Rattler taking a seat against Texas? <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, two turning points. One is Ramondre and uh, Ronnie Perkins coming back against Texas Tech. And the other one was, yes, for the offense especially. Um, you, you couple you know, Spencer Rattler getting benched. And then over the next five games, I think he has one turnover after. Which was the Kansas game in a blowout. Yeah. And, you know, it was a meaningless, absolutely. Uh, It was pretty loose with the football before that. Remember against Texas, he fumbled and uh, Stogner had to jump on it, you know, or or that's another lost fumble. He just was loose with the football. He was a redshirt freshman with the football. Just, you know, he learned, whoa, coach, you benching me against Texas in front of all these people. Okay, then I guess I better take care of the football. He learned that day how to take care of the football, how to play within himself, how to trust his teammates, and uh, I think you've seen the benefits of that since. A year ago, Ramondre Stevenson emerged, you know, down the stretch of the season, and we were all having that conversation with all three of those guys, which was the best of the three. Yeah. Um, you know, Kennedy Brooks obviously opting out this year, and the the suspension of of. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson was pretty significant because there was just nobody with real game experience left. And we saw obviously Oklahoma struggle in the first half of the season without that type of running back. Um, you know, I think we all kind of perceive that as an easy position to, to plug and play, but clearly Ramondre Stevenson is showing us that it's not just as simple as having talented guys back there because I mean, the guys they have behind him are extremely talented. They're just not Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. Um, this underscores when the NFL does spend a first round draft pick <laughs> to pick a running back, it underscores the the talent that exists in a first round running back. Ramondre, I'm not saying, I'm not making a prediction here, but he has that kind of ability. He's he's so gifted physically, so fast, so big, so strong, and he's he's way quicker than he looks, way quicker than you would give him. And that's part of what works for him is that when he's running the football, the defensive guys have have they see him running at a certain pace and they think, okay, I got this. And then he puts a move on you or spins or lowers his shoulder and completely catches you off guard. He's very, very gifted, probably the most physically gifted player on that offense. So, yeah, you know, hats off to TJ Pledger and Seth McGowan and those guys uh, for the job that they did holding that down. But if Kennedy Brooks was here right now, if Trey Sermon was here instead of up at Ohio State right now, I still think Ramondre Stevenson would be the starting running back. I think he's that good. If Oklahoma wins out, how are you feeling about an Oklahoma-Iowa State rematch in a Big 12 championship setting? Uh, if they win out, um, I think it's a, I think it's a lock at this point. Uh, Iowa State, boy, what's the what's the matrix? What's the calculus there, Colby? That would need to happen. Um, I, I, matter of fact, I think they control their own destiny. Yeah, at they, this do. Point, that, they do. They do. It's 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 a done deal if they win. Uh, so they're going to play Saturday against Baylor. If they beat Baylor. Basically, they're in. They're, they've they've achieved that uh, that threshold of of you know getting into getting close enough, getting enough games in that they qualify for the Big Twelve title. I don't think there's any way that uh, at this point they'll be left out. So uh, no, that'll be a, that'll be a good game. It'll be the fourth Big Twelve championship game. 
fourth different opponent. And I sure thought this this year's was going to be against Oklahoma State, but no, Iowa State's had a good year. If Oklahoma wins out, if they're a conference champion, and and just for the sake of argument, let's say I'm just going to give you the chaos scenario, right? So mm-hmm. Alabama beats Florida, removes them from the equation. Let's say Ohio State has another game cancel, or they lose for that matter, uh, and either are a one-loss team or don't even get to play in their conference championship setting. Um, and let's say that Notre Dame defeats L- uh, Clemson for a second time. They, they're removed from the equation. If you start comparing an Oklahoma team that is a conference champion that is at that point rattled off eight in a row to a one-loss A&M team or even an unbeaten Cincinnati team, I'm telling you, I feel pretty good that Oklahoma is going to have a decent shot in that setting, despite the fact they have two losses. And I think a lot of this is as simple as who you are late is is more heavily weighed than who you were at the beginning of the season. But secondly, those two losses were without their best two players, Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson. Clearly, they're a different team with those two guys. Also, their starting quarterback was making his first two FBS starts of his career in those two yeah. games. Yeah, and the things that you just mentioned are exactly the same things that the committee chair, Gary Barta, mentioned he said that uh, you know having those two impact players, one on offense, one on defense back, changed the roster completely. Okay, absolutely right. And uh, he noticed that, uh, and the committee, he's speaking for the committee, they noticed that, uh, that uh, Spencer Rattler is playing at a much higher level right now than he was in those first couple of losses. So you're 100% right. And I think he's saying those things to kind of couch the idea that a two-loss team could kind of come out of the pack and infiltrate the playoff if enough like you said chaos happens in front of them right wouldn't shock me a bit colby uh because it, it, bardo is basically telling us this could happen guys yeah it's 2020 don't don't think that it couldn't and the fact that iowa state is now ranked number nine uh oklahoma's 11 i think they're not just going to switch places if 11 beats nine they're going to climb up to eight seven all of a sudden you start talking about a, somebody getting a second loss in that group or somebody getting knocked out it could happen the flip side of that though colby the flip side ugh, does this oklahoma team want to be the fourth <laughs> team playoff that includes this alabama team uh, i said it on my podcast earlier they don't want that smoke not alabama not this year not after no, last i agree year. It would be a it would be the same scenario as a year ago. I mean, I, I think they would they would have a really good shot at getting in, and they probably would find themselves in that position and probably get run off the field against that Alabama squad in a one four game. But it's just it's mind blowing to me that once again we find ourselves in this situation down the stretch of a season where I don't know how it continuously happens, but when everybody just thinks that Oklahoma has done enough to put themselves out of the picture, the stars seemingly just align, and all of a sudden we're all like holy cow, there's actually a path. This thing could potentially happen. Not saying it will, but there absolutely is a path for that to to take place, and we're just a few weeks away from the end, which is wild. You say everybody. Uh, I would say everybody but Lincoln Riley. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Like every December, Lincoln Riley's coming out and saying, I I told you you guys. I told you we're going to be there. We're fine. So. He's, he's got that confidence again this year. Yeah, without a doubt. I got to ask you about the Heisman Trophy because I think this is just the weirdest conversation to ever have in, in regard to how you figure out who the best player in college football is. I Like, Trevor Lawrence probably was the guy before he has to sit out a couple weeks. Obviously, yeah. Justin Fields is going to play like half the amount of games that some of the other deserving candidates are going to play. 
Like, how significantly does games played weigh in this conversation this year? I think it, I think it's 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 a big part of the it, and it's it's kind of an unprecedented part of the equation. Previously, where a Heisman winner or a Heisman contender would play, you know, you've got five guys playing ten games, twelve games, fourteen games, right? And then you got another guy that maybe he's missed a couple of games. Um, and you, and in the back of my mind, I would think, okay, well, you know, I'm sorry, you had a good season, but you didn't play all the games. That's extremely prevalent this year. That's a that's a real problem. Um, yeah, I, I got to be honest with you, man. Um, I've tried to pay attention nationally to some of the, you know, when someone catches my eye, like the the running back at Buffalo. Yeah, my Jared goodness. Patterson. Yeah, how do you leave, how do you lose uh, how do you leave somebody like that out? You know, uh, I know Buffalo, and I know five foot five or whatever. There shouldn't be a, a, a tape measure on the Heisman. I've always said that. Uh, and it shouldn't it shouldn't matter what round you you're going to be picked in, you know, when you start projecting the Heisman winners. Uh, but I'm I'm con- I'm so confused about the Heisman this year. I don't know. I'm torn. I'm, I'm tattered. I don't know what to do. There's a lot of guys that are that are making plays that really jump out at you. And then, like you said, Trevor Lawrence. I know Trevor Lawrence is probably the best player in the country. I know, um, you know, Justin Fields probably the best player in the country. Do they have that resume? Um, what about Mac Jones? Oh, it's the quarterback award. Well, he's the quarterback of the, the great team, the number one team, the undefeated team. He's like the seventh or eighth or ninth best player on that offense. Right. I could conscience vote for Mac Jones I because I know he's got three receivers and two running backs that are better than him and, yeah. a, and a tight end. Um, Trask has made an, some uh, unbelievable traction this year at Florida. What about his tight end? I mean, how good would he be if he, if he didn't have his tight end, you know, being an All-American who missed a couple of games? So, yeah. and man, it's just, it's a juggling act. And, uh, yeah, I see a lot of balls falling on the floor before I can keep them all up there. Yeah, the, the Mac Jones thing is, is interesting, and I've been saying this all year. If I were picking an Alabama candidate to promote, it would be Najee Harris. I think every week you just see him doing unreal things. And, and you know, again, part of this is a numbers award, and Mac Jones every week is just putting up stupid numbers in that offense. But, uh, yeah, Najee Harris to me has been more outstanding, I guess, than Mac Jones. Kyle Trask almost, like, it's nothing against him necessarily, but I almost just feel like, he's getting the nod as a default because we can we can make like a case against a lot of these guys whereas even though I don't necessarily feel like Kyle Trask is the most outstanding player I don't I don't necessarily have a bunch of ammunition to argue against that vote so it almost like I said it almost feels like he's there by default I guess but it's so crazy I was telling uh, I was telling our buddy John Moss this a couple weeks ago if Tulsa had actually been able to play a full season and Monty started drawing up some offensive plays for Zayvon Collins, like like maybe Jabril Peppers a few years ago or something like that. I think he actually does get uh, you know a, a grass fire type of of uh, Heisman candidacy going. But what a bizarre year it is. That would be fun. I would. He's he's a guy right now that is definitely Zayvon Collins is definitely on my radar. Um, and I don't know. Um, you know, it's like you said, he's run, he's come up a little bit short on the number of games played, but how can you deny that every time he's on the field, he's literally changing the game. He's winning the game for his team. So it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to try to jump in and it's like a big old vat of spaghetti. It's, it's all over you and you can't straighten it out and it's, it's messy and yet it's delicious. 
that's that's what I'm that's what I'm comparing this year's Heisman race to falling into a vat of spaghetti <laughs> with meatballs. By the way, I have uh, so the the latest Heisman Trophy odds: Kyle Trask one, Mac Jones two, Fields and Lawrence are three and four. Zach Wilson of BYU is five, and then all the way down at eight we have Brees Hall, the only Big Twelve candidate in the top five. Yeah. Brees Hall is definitely, uh, I would think, the Big 12's only reasonable candidate this year, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. he led that rushing for just a couple of weeks there, uh, and he's been so consistent, and they're better than everybody thought they would be. So he's a perfect candidate out of the Big 12, but unfortunately for the league, he's the he's kind of the only one. Absolutely. Spencer Rattler was in, that, was in that mix until they lost a couple of games and had all those turnovers, five turnovers, I think, in two games. Yeah. It, think about this. Oklahoma – is literally two plays from being undefeated. And if those you take away two of those Spencer Rattler interceptions, maybe at the end of the game, maybe he leads his team back instead of throwing interceptions. He's right in the middle of the Heisman race, and OU's right in the middle of the playoff race. Two two plays. Unreal. You could you could even argue one play. I mean, even with one loss, I think compared to what <laughs> everything else that has happened, I, I think that's that's as likely as as maybe the the two play situation. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're we're gonna have a game. I was I. It's funny because last week we got the news. I was like, oh man, that's kind of disappointing. At the same time, I was like, well, free Saturday. I mean, my my yeah. Saturday opened up, so that was kind of cool. But uh, I'm I'm certainly glad that uh, that things are lining up again, and we're actually gonna have uh, football to cover on Saturday. I had to rearrange all my travel arrangements, but the good news is I saved twenty bucks from uh, you know just rolling over your Southwest funds. Oh yeah. And then when I did, when I rerouted the first flight, I got a really good, really good rate. They sent me through Denver. So I was on going to be on the airplane for seven and a half hours. Oh, yeah. So this time I'm going through Baltimore. Very excited about that. When, when will you fly out next uh, Thursday or Friday? Yeah, Thursday or Friday, something like that. Morgantown, I feel like it's just going to be a very strange setting versus what <laughs> it typically is. They rely a lot on that crowd. Yeah especially to be good and oiled up. Uh, it's going to be a day game for the first time ever. Uh, OU playing out there for a, for an afternoon kickoff or a morning kickoff, whatever it is. Uh, it's not a nighttime kickoff. It's not going to be dark. It's not going to be freezing cold. So, And then getting those fans, they'll, they'll still be good and oiled up, but uh, there's going to be 25% of them there. That's something that's, you're right. It's going to be weird. It's going to be a, you know, you walk in and it's like, it's going to feel like you're in a big empty church on a, on a Tuesday night. <laughs> no doubt about it. John, always appreciate it, my friend. We got to catch up again a, a little bit sooner than, than uh, this long break we've had, but uh, I appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, Colby. John Hoover, publisher of SI Sooners. Visit allsooners.com. Check out his SI Sooners podcast and take a look at his YouTube channel. Always great Sooner content from my buddy, John Hoover. All right, that is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit their website, abotanicalcompany.com, or give them a call, 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on what they have available and how it can improve your daily life. Easy online order, easy and safe pickup. Again, Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City, or give them a call, 405-458-9699. All right, it is Friday. We have a pregame show tomorrow, 5 o'clock, two hours before Oklahoma Baylor kicks off at 7. Mike Steely and I will have you covered for an hour, so make sure you join us at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter. I will tweet the streaming link, 5 o'clock pregame for Mike Steely and I. 
Everybody stay safe. Have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.